to have your compassion extended toward me. It was a real game changer. It felt good as I was finding dignity through being rigorously honest, vulnerable, transparent, and then you reciprocate with some compassion. I felt like it sort of completed that loop and it made me want to do more. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We are your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer. Hey there, everyone. We're so grateful that you guys are making the choice to tune into our podcast, share our lives, and we hope that you guys are really getting something that is useful out of this. If you are, please drop us a line at support at beyondbrokenvows.com so that we can hear what it is you guys think about what we're saying, if it's helpful, if there are suggestions about what else that we could do. All those things are really greatly appreciated. Before we get started on our topic today, which is forgiveness. Yes, a good one. I'm going to ask Emily to pray because we are certainly going to need it for this topic. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and ask for your grace and mercy as we talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough. And we're just so grateful that you and your son have modeled forgiveness for us. And in your word, you teach us how we can do this for ourselves and for each other. So, Lord, I just pray for you to cover this podcast today with your grace and mercy and love, and that we would be able to share from our hearts what we have learned in this area. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to get into the topic of forgiveness today. And so as you were just praying... I had a memory from when our children were young. Oh, yeah? Do you remember when we helped them to orchestrate apologies and asking for forgiveness? Oh, right. Yeah. So we we actually were teaching our kids before we even knew about the official apology that we went through on our previous show. We were teaching our kids to say, I'm sorry that I did this to you. Right. Will you please forgive me? 
Yes. And I remember it was hard to articulate what they did and even harder to ask for forgiveness. Don't you remember that? I do. In fact, our youngest son, when he was really little, didn't have a lot of words early on. And so we taught him sign language. Yes, that's right. And when the I'm sorry part came around, he would just sign it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, rub that circle on his chest. And, you know, instead of having to say it, having to speak those words, because it is a hard thing to do. It is. And that's why, you know, I mentioned we're going to need a lot of prayer. Emily, you want to elaborate a little bit on why we would need some prayer to do this? Why is the idea of forgiveness so difficult, you think? Well, I think sometimes to forgive a wrong, to forgive a hurt, it feels like you're letting somebody off the hook or that you're feeling like maybe you're condoning their actions. Right. You know, so it's it's difficult. It's also a humbling thing to do. Yes. Very humbling. So, you know, that's hard to lay down our own pride and humble ourselves enough to forgive someone else. Right. Right. Although the process of forgiveness is difficult, the steps are actually simple. We want to walk you through the process we took in our marriage to extend and receive forgiveness. Yes. So first off the bat, we're going to do what we really enjoy doing is we're going to define forgiveness. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to start. First thing to understand before we give the definition is that it is not condoning the behavior this is forgiving, and we're going to open that up a little bit. But now our definition is forgiveness is essentially the act of pardoning an offender. In the Bible, the Greek word translated forgiveness literally means to let go, as when a person does not demand payment for a debt. Wow. I have heard it on many occasions. You are giving up your right to be right. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So, Emily, why do we need to forgive? Well, the benefit of forgiving is that we find freedom in it. Um, it seems like the scariest thing to do, along with like repentance and confession. But those things, even though they're very difficult and they can be very scary, they just really lead to freedom, don't they? Yes. All of those. It's just amazing when you finally take that step to do it. It's like, weights just fall off of your shoulders and you get this feeling in your heart of just this freedom. So that's a benefit of forgiveness, of forgiving someone and even being forgiven. That's a, it's a good feeling too, but just to be able to forgive somebody really releases you from a burden that you're carrying. Yes. And I was kind of thinking about the opposite of what you just said in freedom. When we don't forgive we sort of experience an entrapment of ourselves. And many of us have heard the saying that not forgiving somebody is like lighting yourself on fire and expecting the other person to burn up. Right. Or I've heard it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yes. Either way, you're either on fire <laughs> or you're poisoned, right? Right. Those don't sound preferable to no. me. No. And so when you mentioned that it's freedom for ourselves when we make the choice to forgive, mm -hmm. that sounds like the preferable choice. Absolutely. Yes. And then when we forgive, we also can have some forward movement. I think we kind of get stuck when we don't forgive somebody. It makes us sit where we are in that pain, that hurt, that anger. 
whatever the emotions are that are coming out of that lack right. of forgiveness. And so once we do forgive, we can then move forward with life. Holding on to anger can sometimes give us a false sense of strength, like wearing a suit of armor or a shield that fends off further harm. It's yes. like a protective response, right? When we hold on to grudges and we refuse to forgive others, it keeps us stuck in that painful loop, like replaying that hurtful situation over and over again. So eventually, this continuous replay undermines our self-worth, and it leaves us even more defenseless in the long run. So forgiveness is imperative for our own emotional health and our own sense of safety and stability. Right. So that's why we should forgive. And those are all really good reasons for why. But how do we do that? Yeah, that's that's a really, really tough thing. We've all heard that love is a decision, right? Yes. So it doesn't necessarily correlate with our feelings because we don't always have that feeling of love at all times with another person, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a child. You know, those feelings come and go, those loving feelings. But the decision to love keeps that commitment in place to that person, right? Right. So the same thing happens with forgiveness. It's a very difficult thing because you don't have usually the feelings that you would think would be necessary in order to forgive someone. Usually when you're forgiving someone, they've really hurt you or they've offended you or they've betrayed you or something along those lines. And it's like, oh, I have to forgive this person. Yes. But like love being a decision, forgiveness is also a conscious decision. We have to decide that we're going to do that. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. I like that last statement, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Right. It seems to me that when you make that statement, regardless of whether that person deserves your forgiveness or not, that seems to be the hinge point in there. You have to make that decision to forgive that person, regardless of whether they deserve it or not. Does that seem fair? <laughs> no, it does not. Even forgiveness really doesn't seem fair, does it? No. When I was praying, I thanked the Lord for his modeling of forgiveness, right? And he did that for us. He died on the cross and forgave us of our sins. And he didn't deserve any of that, did he? No. And that wasn't fair to him to have to do that. But he did it anyway. And that's the rub. <laughs> the person who has been hurt or offended is the one who needs to extend the forgiveness, which doesn't seem fair. But that's what we are actually required to do in order to be forgiven by Jesus, right? Right. So back to how do we forgive? Well, before we do that, I want to take a time and turn it towards you for a minute. There's a figurative spotlight now, and you're underneath it. Where were you on the night of last night? <laughs> oh, great. Uh, think back to the beginning, early days after discovery and after disclosure, and we're working through the rigorous honesty. I'm not getting all the information out to you yet because I'm still holding on to it out of fear, fear of me losing you. But you're starting to make choices to forgive me along the way. Is that true? Yeah, I remember when you very first told me at the beginning 
about your adultery, which did not include in that instance, sexual infidelity at that point, I um, was totally devastated, but um, I was able to come to a decision that I would forgive you pretty quickly. I took that whole thing to the Lord and, and had this big old talk with him for hours and hours about it. And he assured me that he had my back. So I was able to then go ahead and forgive you. But then everything came crashing down a couple of weeks later. Right when you actually disclosed everything that had been going on for the past 12 years. And that time it wasn't so easy to forgive. I've always been kind of quick to forgive people, but I couldn't say the words. I couldn't even feel like I wanted to at that point. So I want to ask you this question. Did you ever in your conversations with God tell him flat out at a certain point that that you just don't want to forgive me right now. Wow, that's tough to try to remember back if I actually said those words. I do know that I was resisting it in my heart. I just didn't know how I could do it without feeling like I was letting you off the hook, without feeling like, you know, okay, I forgive you. It was okay. It wasn't so bad. You know, that's the kind of thing that I was loath to do. I didn't want to say I forgive you and then maybe have you do those things again. And I was really afraid. So if I'm hearing you right, what you were feeling in those times could have looked possibly like if you were too quick to forgive me, it could be licensed for me to keep doing it. Yes, actually, that is a very good description of it. As though I was no longer in trouble because you forgave me. Right. So you have a, a clean slate to just go ahead and do whatever you wanted. Right. Because uh, the reason why I say that is because I'm kind of contrasting based on our talk about the apology in the last show mm -hmm. was that there is the worldly sorrow that says, I'm sorry that I got caught. I'll do anything to get out of trouble. Right. That's the attitude. That kind of thing. But the godly sorrow is really what you're hoping for when you're extending the forgiveness. Right. I guess I'm asking that question on the part of the offended, the one who has been victimized. Is that something you would say is fair, that what you're hoping for when you're extending that is that the godly sorrow is there to sort of back that up and give you support? Well, sure. That is like best case scenario, yes, right? I agree. But that doesn't always happen. No, it does not. And it's not a prerequisite for forgiveness. That's That's the hard thing. That's where the unfairness of it can seem like, how and why should I have to do this when they're not owning up or they're not even asking for forgiveness sometimes, right? Yes. I mean, you did own up. You were very repentant and remorseful and you you did help in those areas when I was feeling like, is this just to make it too easy for you? Is this going to make it so easy for you to just right. go ahead and do these things again because it wasn't so bad right. to get in trouble, right? Because well, I remember you were talking in, in one of our previous shows that when we were going, you and I together, to talk to the people that were key people in our lives that I had also violated and offended through my infidelity and through my lifelong activity with pornography, basically misrepresenting myself in a pastoral capacity. As we went back to these people and we explained to them and they were so gracious to me, it seemed like forgiveness was immediate. Yeah. And you expressed at times an anger with that. Yes. 
when is there going to be justice? Right, right. I do remember wanting justice. Yes. Although I do also remember God told me that he would take care of that part. Yeah. So I wasn't overly concerned about justice. I didn't see the consequences coming very quickly for you, which was good and was bad because I didn't want to see you hurt. I do love you. (laughs) But, you know, interestingly, I've seen some consequences. Even now, I see consequences of your previous actions coming to fruition. There are things that you can't do anymore with our relationship, right? We were just talking about that this week. Right. For example, people watching, that was an activity that we really enjoyed together when we went on a cruise together or just went places where there's crowds. It was just fun to notice people and the fun things that we could make up about their stories of their life or something. So we really enjoyed that together, but you can't do that anymore with me. Right. It's a no-go zone, right? Because when we were people watching, unbeknownst to me, you would notice people in a different way than I did. Women, right? That's correct. Right. And you told me you would often fantasize about what you had seen. And so that's an area that we can't really explore together anymore. And that's a consequence, but it's not just one for you. It's, It's a consequence for me too. Right. It's kind of like when our kids, when they're in trouble with us and we have to punish them and we have to put in a disciplinary action or a boundary or whatever. And so we say, for example, a teenager, you can't drive the car for a week. (laughs) Well, what does that do? Right. That makes it so that, you know, we have to do the driving for them. That's right. And disrupt our schedule. And (laughs) we suffer the consequence as well as them. Right. So the consequences and the, the justice, that's why it's best left to God, isn't it? Yes. He's the fairest judge. Well, and it seems that just from the way you've described it, it takes an awful lot of prayer. Oh, yeah, it does. Absolutely. Because as humans, I don't think that's a natural thing for us to do is to just forgive people, you know, to release hurt, release offenses and grudges like that. You know, some people are better at it than others, but I think it really comes from something more than just our own power. Yes. C.S. Lewis quotes in Mere Christianity, everybody loves forgiveness until there's something that they need to forgive. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's always a great idea until it's your turn to do it. Right. Right. So we're talking about how to forgive now. So we've come up with four steps to forgiveness. Yes. So if you have something to write with and something to write on handy, you might want to take these down for future reference. So we're just going to go through these real quickly. The first one is understand that you have a choice. So you do have a choice. Well, sure. Everybody has a choice. Well, because a lot of times in these scenarios, I've heard on many occasions, somebody say to me, I have no choice in this. Is that true? In a forgiveness scenario? Well, I think that sometimes when things seem out of our control, we feel like we don't have choices. Right. Yeah. Well, yes, you know, forgiveness is absolutely a choice. Nobody's forcing us to do it. God's not even forcing us to do it. Right. He asks us to do it. That's right. But he's not going to force us. So he models it for us. He does. And yes, we do have a choice whether to forgive or not. So that's the first thing. We need to understand that. It's not something that we're being forced to do. We have the choice to forgive or to not forgive. Right. Well, the next one, you need to make the choice to forgive. So we said understanding that you have a choice, 
But now we're encouraging you to make the choice to forgive. Yes. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. We talked about the benefits of forgiveness just a few minutes ago, right? And so hopefully that'll make the choice to forgive a little easier when you know that even though it's so hard, once you do it, you will reap some benefits. Right. Those benefits were freedom for yourself and forward movement. And being able to cast off that burden of unforgiveness. Because what is the opposite of not forgiving going to do to a person? Well, you know, that burden will stay. There will be bitterness that could fester over a long period of time. Right. You'll get stuck where you are, like we said, in a loop, just reliving that offense or that pain or that hurt over and over again. Yeah, bitterness sits in, and what is a close cousin right on the heels of bitterness Resentment. Resentment, yeah. And resentment is a poison that just gets in your veins, in your thoughts. It goes from your head to your toes and runs out your fingers sometimes, like the bolts of lightning we see on those superhero shows. <laughs> it, it's powerful. Yeah. And it's the kind of power that you don't want to have in your life. Right. You don't want the power of resentment holding on to you because resentments. Start jading everything that you look at. Well, that was true for you, right? Absolutely. In our marriage, you had resentments towards me that were based in lies, but it caused you to feel okay about acting out and doing things for yourself because you were resenting what I represented in your life. You resented what you perceived I was doing to you as far as judgment and condemnation. So your resentment towards me kind of gave you license to destroy yourself, basically. (laughs) What a crazy way to put it. License to destroy myself. I would have never thought to say it that way, but isn't that really the way it worked out? It really did. You know, there's one thing I did want to stop and say at this point that is a firmly held belief of you and I, that there is no action that you could have done to me that was so bad that made my infidelity right at any time. Right. It doesn't matter. You could have been a stone-cold witch to me, and that would not have been justification enough to become an adulterer. Right. We may have needed to communicate better or rethink our relationship or even our marriage. But that is not licensed for me to become an adulterer, to turn to other media to get my sexual satisfaction. It's not. And so just so you hear it from Emily and I, that this is a sincerely held belief of ours and that we operate on that. We understand that there are extenuating circumstances and there always is. In our relativistic society today, we always want to try to justify these things so that it makes us feel better for our wrong actions. Mm -hmm. And I feel, and I know that you back me up, we need to get back to more as a society calling things exactly what they are. Right. I don't know if you guys have noticed at all, we do not use the word or the term affair. Right. (laughs) When speaking of this topic, we will always use the words infidelity or adultery. Because we need to call them what they are. Yes, absolutely. Just want to make sure that 
<laughs> they know that I wasn't a stone cold witch. <laughs> no, you weren't. You were always so nice and sweet. But my view of life, my resentment had turned everything upside down and inside out. And I had made that judgment about you because of what I felt about myself inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very important distinction. Right. Okay, moving on. So step one is you understand that you have a choice. And step two, you're making the choice to forgive. Step three, ask for God's help. Right. Once you make that decision, you need God's help to follow through with it. Yes. I don't know what I would have done without the Lord helping me to forgive you for infidelity. I mean, that's a huge ask. But he gave me the courage. He gave me the strength. He gave me the assurance that I would be okay doing this. And of course, he gave me some resources. <laughs> I read some really good books and talked to some people who assured me that forgiveness wasn't condoning bad behavior. Forgiveness wasn't letting people off the hook. So I went into the forgiveness with eyes wide open. And so then after asking for God's help, what do we do? You release it. Right. We release it. You have to let it go. Just like in our definition, the Greek root inside of the word forgiveness literally means let it go. Let it go. Because if you don't, you're going to have to forgive again. <laughs> yes. Right? Right. Well, I mean, and I think that that's something so common that we do. You know, growing up in church, we've heard that we lay our burdens at the foot of the cross each Sunday. But how many times that when we're finished praying at the altar, do we grab those burdens back up and walk out of church with them again? Yeah. Did we really let it go? Right. We, no. <laughs> we were at the feet of Christ and he is faithful to forgive. And then we just pick it right back up and take it with us. Yeah. <laughs> that means that we weren't done. Right. We didn't release it and it's going to haunt us again. It will. It will come back. And that's the full circle part of it is if you don't address it, it will come back. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about what does God say about forgiveness? What do the scriptures say? Well, the scripture says this in Ephesians 4:32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know what? I love that word in there, compassionate. We do need to find some compassion for the person that we're trying to forgive, don't we? Yes. I think that was what was helpful for me back a few years ago when it was so hard to forgive you. When I started feeling some compassion and empathy for you, that made forgiveness a lot easier. It's so hard to extend. It's so hard to find a place of compassion for the one who has betrayed you. It is because everything about it is so unfair and you're always feeling the hurt that was caused you. That's what I was feeling, the hurt that you caused me. Didn't really think much about the hurt you were going through at first. So it did take a little while to realize and accept the fact that you were also hurting. You were also in torment for most of your life. You had been abused. You were being lied to by Satan. And all of these things gave me a bit of compassion for you. And that helped me to want to forgive you. Yes, I had heard it in one of our pastor's messages. This was years and years ago. He was talking about compassion. And he defined it very simply this way, your pain in my heart. Mm. So sometimes it's hard to get to that point because we, as the offenders or the betrayers, we're not quite so ready 
to let the pain in our heart be seen. Right. So what I heard you just saying is that as I allowed the pain in my heart to become seen by you, you were able then to find some compassion. Yeah, I think that's correct. I was also wisely counseled that you did have your own hurts in this. You weren't just the monster that was offending me. So between my counselor and God and you allowing your hurt to be seen, yes, that was a great combination to allow me to have more empathy and compassion for you, yes. And just to finish that off, to have your compassion extended toward me, it was a real game changer. It felt good. As I was finding dignity through being rigorously honest, vulnerable, transparent, and then you reciprocate with some compassion, I felt like it sort of completed that loop and it made me want to do more. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can see that because if I wasn't compassionate as you're bearing your soul, I could see maybe that it would cause you to stop trying to do that. It would maybe scare you away from connection and transparency. Is that fair to say? Yes. The Bible teaches us that unselfish love is the basis for true forgiveness, since it keeps no record of wrongs. It says that in 1 Corinthians 13.5. Forgiving others means letting go of resentment and giving up any claim to be compensated for the hurt or loss. Ouch. <laughs> Man. I like this because in my entitlement, when I was so wrapped up in myself, what was going on inside of my head was, you owe me. So I had to learn to let those things go. Yeah, it's easy to resent things that we think we should be getting or resenting that we don't have what we think we should have. And to be compensated for the hurt or the loss, choosing to forgive and then forgiving, feeling like you're going to get something back is the absolute wrong attitude, right? Right. Because you're going to be disappointed most times. You're just setting yourself up for failure, just humbling ourselves and just leaving it at that. I've said it on many occasions to you. Unrealistic expectations leads to disappointment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've also heard it said through my recovery group that expectations are premeditated disappointment. Oh, that's good. I never thought about it that way until I heard it, and it really makes sense. It sure does. To be a Christian, as we are, it means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. So I think that if God forgives us, we have to forgive others, but we also have to forgive ourselves. That's another facet of forgiveness. It's really hard to forgive another person sometimes, but... Man, sometimes I think it's even harder to forgive ourselves for things. Do you agree? Absolutely, I agree, because it is actually at the heart of what was really wrong inside of me. First and foremost, what was really not right inside of me were all the secrets that I was keeping about my past behaviors, the secrets of my thoughts and the way that I felt, and I was not expressing them. Mm -hmm. But because I was Bearing that shame and guilt constantly in my life through those secrets, those things that I said, I will take this to my grave. Those left me in a place where I couldn't forgive myself. And it was actually in a message that the pastor of the church where I got saved back in 1987, he was teaching on this very subject right here. It is ultimately what made me make the decision 
to go to the altar and give my life to Christ. When I realized at that time, all of my past mistakes as a teenager and as a young man that I had done, I knew that I couldn't forgive myself. But when he put it out there so articulately that I was actually placing myself higher than God by saying, I can't forgive me. God, you can forgive me, but I can't. I realized that as a lifelong church attender, that there was something not right about that. Remember, I'm not a Christian yet at, right. this, at this point. Right. But it was what made me make the decision to go up to the cross and finally say, I'm going to forgive me because you can forgive me. That means I can forgive me too. Forgive me for placing myself above you. Okay, so Emily, you you touched on it in pieces, this wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis. So we're going to go ahead and read it in its entirety. Sure. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. C.S. Lewis is probably by far my favorite author. And this quote is out of his book, Mere Christianity. So those were the four simple yet very difficult steps that we have come up with to be able to forgive. But really the basis of being able to forgive is a faith in Christ. Forgiveness can be really difficult in light of sexual betrayal and trauma. Yes. It can become bigger than us, right? Yes. So if it's bigger than us, where do we turn? The answer we have to give you today is that it's Jesus Christ, our creator, our savior, and our Lord. If you have a relationship with him, we encourage you to dig deeper and take him at his word and trust him. He will help you through the thing that you need to forgive, and he will help you to forgive that thing. That's right. Right? If you have not started a relationship with Jesus yet, today is the best time to do that. Yes, and many times scripture talks about the importance of doing things today. Don't put them off till tomorrow. Tomorrow is uncertain. So having your relationship with Jesus today is going to be a very important thing. And if you are finding yourself in a place where this is bigger than me, the idea of forgiveness is bigger than me, the idea of being able to apologize is bigger than me, and I don't know how to do that, if dealing with anger and understanding and implementing and submitting to boundaries, if you find all this difficult and a little overwhelming, I would encourage you to start your relationship with Jesus today. I would like to take a moment to lead us all in a simple believer's prayer. So if this is where you are right now, just close your eyes right where you are. If you're driving, take a moment and pull off to the side of the road. Close your eyes and say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I've been doing this far too long on my own, making my own decisions that have brought me to this place of desperation, and I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I'm sorry for plotting out my own path. Today, I turn my will and my life over to you. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So if you joined us in that prayer today for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, 
we would really like to hear from you. Yes. Let us know if you made that decision at beyondbrokenvows.com so that we can pray for you as you start this journey that will help you implement all of the things that you will need to be able to put your relationship back together with your spouse because you actually can't do it on your own. You will need help that is bigger than you. Yes, absolutely will. And I'm so grateful that there is that help for us. Amen. So just to recap the four steps really quickly, the first step is to understand that you have a choice to forgive. The second step is to make that choice, and we hope that you'll make the choice to forgive. The third step is to ask for God's help. He will help you through it. And then finally, step four is to release it. Just let it go. If you can do this, you will find that freedom we were talking about for yourself. You will find healing for your own heart, regardless of what happens in your marriage, regardless of what happens with the other person who you're forgiving. You will benefit from taking those steps. You will find a peace in your heart that you didn't have before. Yes, and taking those steps means forward movement. Going forward. Yes. So thank you for joining us today. We look forward to you coming back and joining us again. So until next time, Marriage is Redeemed, Hearts Renewed, on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.